RadioInfluence.com. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. Happy holidays. We are on the doorstep of the Christmas break here. Such a great time of the year. One of my favorite times of the year, without question. I hope everything is set up. I hope everything's going well for you. And I can't wait for this episode of Crush Performance. This is our final episode of 2020. And I can't imagine a better way to wrap up this year. We will be talking with Seth Pepper, high-performance mental coach. Has an incredible story, ladies and gentlemen. Strap yourselves in and get ready to be inspired going into this very bizarre holiday period that we're going into. A lot of us are in lockdown. We are not going to be able to spend our Christmas as we normally would with our families and friends. Uh, We're going to be a little isolated going into 2021. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. The vaccines are rolling out. So there is some real positive vibes going on right now. Let's take advantage of that as we head into 2021. But let's get back on track. Let's focus on our goals. Let's learn how. Let's let's reestablish where we want to go. And let's use this downtime like we've been talking about to prepare ourselves and raise our ceilings of potential for when this COVID madness is over. Because it is coming to an end. We can see it now. We can taste it. But before we get there, we still have some work to do. We've got a ways to go. We need to protect ourselves, protect each other, protect our families, friends, uh, and our communities as well. And that's wearing the mask, washing our hands, staying isolated. It's just the smart thing to do. And in the meantime, let's take advantage of it. Let's take advantage of this adversity that we're facing and use it to push ourselves forward. Let's regroup, let's refocus, and let's really push ourselves into 2021 on a strong note. And I think step number one here is just to refocus our goals and objectives. What are we going to try to accomplish See, when we set up a program or we set up the directives for an organization, for an athlete or any of our clients that we work with, there's a couple of steps we have to go through, especially when we get to a transition phase or maybe we've achieved the goal and now we're looking for what's next. But either way, it's a very similar process. One, you have to identify where you want to go. All right. It's kind of like taking a trip almost. You know, when you plan a trip, It's a very simple process. At least it seems that way, but there are so many moving parts. Let's say we want to go to Vegas for a weekend to catch a show. And in order to get to Vegas, uh, you have to fly. All right. You're at a place where you can't just drive into Vegas, which would be really sweet. It would be great just to be able to, hey, I'm going to head to Vegas for the weekend, hop in the car, have a beautiful drive, wind up in Vegas, catch a couple shows, have some good food, head back home. When you have to fly to Vegas, it's a little different. Whether you take the train, whether you're going by boat, whether you're driving your car, taking a bus, whatever it is, a little bit different. But at the end of the day, you still need to know where you want to go. You have to have your destination designated. That's like setting your goals. Keep your eye on the prize, right? That's sort of a long-term thing. And then the next most important thing that we need to understand is where we're coming from, where we're at right now. 
And when we set up our athletes, it's kind of the analogy that we use. You need to have a good perspective of where you're at in order to really, really attack the process of getting to your goals. And one of the things we do know about humans in general is we're terrible at self-analyzing. Unless we've gone through the process and we've had people that have held us accountable, given us feedback, we're quite terrible at evaluating ourselves. All right, so keep that in mind. And so having a good idea of where we're at is going to help us decide what we need to do in order to embark on our trip. What do we need to do next? And what is the flow going to be as we go there? Well, you know, we're going to the airport. So we got to either drive to the airport, catch a cab, get to the airport, check in, do to go through the process. All right. And let's just say we land at the airport. Now we got to take a bus through the desert somewhere. We're going to the Hoover Dam or something, right? And we're on a trip going to the Hoover Dam. That's one of our little side trips. And this is a, this is a talk you can have with yourself or if you're a coach or a, or a parent or a, or a teacher, you know, we ask our athletes this all the time. Okay, you know, hey, listen, you know, if we're driving through the desert and we're going to a show in Vegas, let's say, and our bus breaks down, how do we fix that bus? That's a question we ask. And someone might say, well, hey, call a tow truck. Well, we're in the middle of the desert. There's no cell reception. So can't call a tow truck. How are we going to fix the bus, everybody? And then someone might say, well, hey, let's start walking. Well, listen, we're in the middle of the desert and I think there's like hungry coyotes out here, <laughs> right? can't walk. We don't have water. So how are we going to fix the bus? And there might be a prolonged silence. And then maybe, just maybe, I've only had this happen a couple of times, somebody answers the question. And if nobody does, I put it out there. Well, in order to fix the bus, we need to figure out what's wrong with the bus. Is the tire flat? Are we out of gas? Did it overheat? Find out what's wrong with the bus. See, it goes back to the whole idea that, you know, when you look to where you want to go, when you're trying to achieve a goal or, or finish off a task and you're having difficulties, there's adversity, or maybe you're cruising through it, either way, you have to be a really good problem solver. And that's one of the things that I just wish for everybody, you know, especially our young people moving forward because the landscape out there is not getting any easier, certainly changing, but we need to be really good problem solvers. And in order to be a good problem solver, you need to be analytical, you have to have perspective, you got to make decisions. If we could help our young people, our athletes, our performers, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're an employer, if you can help your people become great problem solvers and great decision makers, wow, you are creating massive potential, massive potential for your team, for your company, for your students, for those individuals and well beyond the task at hand, because that's a life skill that's going to serve you well, but that's how you get to where you want to go. This is how we address and set up our athletes, our organizations, all of our clients. And we greatly underestimate what we're able to do. You know, we need to embrace the adversity. We need to create an environment where it's okay to fail. It's okay to try and fail. As long as we're learning from those failures, we learn from the successes. We have to learn from those failures and move forward. And I know you guys have heard this all before, but it's so critically important if we're going to move forward with process or with purpose. And that's what I'm hoping for 2021. Let's move forward with purpose. Let's really celebrate these holidays and everything that we have right now. And if you had a really tough time, a really tough time, let's just reflect back on everything that's good. Let's look to the future to plot our course and identify what we want to accomplish moving forward. Let's learn from the past 
Let's look forward to plan and let's live it right now. So have a great holiday season here. And I think one of the ways we can do that is giving ourselves purpose as we head into the new year. The new year is a classically a time where people kind of just regroup, they reevaluate. Some people, you know, with the new year's resolutions, it's a, it's a great start. It's a great start. Now, a lot of people fall off. And why do they fall off? Because they don't have process or they don't understand process. Because you got to have accountability. You got to hold yourself to the task. And that's what today's conversation is going to be all about. And I can't wait. Coming up after this quick break, we're going to talk with Seth Pepper, high performance mental coach. His story is fascinating. And the processes he put in place as a young athlete going into a sport that he really had never participated in before to become a world-class champion. It is incredible. And now Seth is out there helping other people achieve their goals, professional teams, professional athletes, business people. He's talking with organizations. And today, he is talking with us, and I can't wait. So stick around, everybody. Coming up after the break, I can't imagine a better conversation to have right now as we head into the holidays and get set for the new year than the conversation we're going to have with Seth Pepper right after this on Crush Performance. Christmas card I write. This week's episode of Crush Performance is powered by the good people at Exogun. Exogun is a portable and powerful handheld massage device for high-impact recovery and low-impact tissue massage. Do you suffer from muscle tension, tightness, or body aches that don't seem to go away? Revive your muscles, boost blood circulation, and release soreness so you can recover faster and not let pain get in the way of your daily activities. The Exogun uses percussive therapy to boost muscle function and accelerate recovery by penetrating deep into the muscle tissue with a series of rapid, concentrated, pulsating strokes. Our athletes are using the Exogun and they love it. I've been using the Exogun and I love it. It's become an important part of our recovery strategies after training or competition, but we're also using it as part of our activation phase to get ready for action. In all of our programs, recovery and sleep are king. I've been using the Exogun about two hours before bed. Not only help me recover more, but it also relaxes me and I find it helps me sleep better. Enhanced recovery, better sleep, it's like a dream come true. And just in time for the holidays, boy, do we have a deal for you. Right now, you can save an additional 15% off the current sale price. Go to exogun.com backslash crush. That's right. You can save up to $460 off your order. Plus, it comes with four interchangeable heads and a free carrying case for a limited time only. Go to exagun.com backslash crush with a K and get 15% off the current sale price. If you have an athlete on your gift list or if you just want to gift yourself, now's the time to do it. Treat your body right with enhanced recovery and relaxation with the Exogun. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Kershell here. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is the email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. You know, I don't tweet a lot, but when we find something interesting and something we think is important or something we really want to share with you, we 
post it. We post it on Twitter. We post it on Facebook. We try to get it on Instagram and everywhere we can. So uh, please do follow us and let us know if there's anything you want us to investigate. You can just write to us. We've dedicated segments and entire episodes to your ideas on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, YouTube. Search out Crush Performance and we will connect there. Well, talk about connecting. I wonder how connected we are with our true aspirations, our dreams, and our goals right now, especially through this COVID time we're living in. Very, very difficult times and, and something that wasn't scripted. It was thrown at us like a massive curveball and we're trying to deal with it right now. And it's easy sometimes to lose sight of where we want to go, where we were going, and what we really want to do with ourselves. And not just in these hard times, but also in the good times. I want to let you know that I truly believe we greatly underestimate what we're able to accomplish. And heading into the holiday season here with these bizarre COVID times, not being able to see family and friends like we normally would, um, is difficult. Heading into the new year and sport being shut down, schools being shut down, businesses being shut down. It's a difficult time and it's easy to lose our way. Or we can refocus, look at the challenge in front of us, and attack with purpose. I am so happy right now to introduce our next guest on this, our last show of 2020 here on Crush Performance. I can't think of a better conversation to have right now, heading into the holidays, getting set for 2021, than the conversation with Seth Pepper. Seth Pepper is a high-performance mental coach, works with a number of professional teams, has an unbelievable story himself, and I'm so glad that he's joining us today. Seth, welcome to Crush Performance. So glad you could join us. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, isn't it interesting, you know, in this world, how how we get connected through friends and colleagues. Uh, our introduction was through a mutual a mutual friend and colleague, uh, Manny Schmidt from uh, Link International. And I'm really glad that these things happen. And, you know, I, I was actually familiar with you prior um, to us connecting, um, uh, but I didn't know the depth of your story. And, I, and that's why I'm really glad to have you on as we sort of get all of our audience and everybody sort of set up for 2021. It's inspirational for sure. And especially in these troubling times, Seth, I know everybody's going through it right now. And, you know, just recently we did a, a series uh, called The Kids of COVID and just sort of expressing our concerns for, you know, the uh, high school seniors and, and uh, um, university and secondary school seniors uh, and the important life events they might be missing because of COVID and they're recreating their own now, of course. Um, but you know, in these troubling times, it's great to hear the stories and, and the experiences of people who have, who've really made it happen. So again, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this and, you know, it's a, I've enjoyed your show for a while now, so it's, it's a, it's an honor to be on your show. So thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, why don't we talk about this? You know, we are quite concerned, uh, with the welfare of people and, you know, again, um, I think right now more the stress and the anxiety levels, the not knowing the vaccine is certainly a light at the end of the tunnel here, Seth, as, as we head into the holidays. And it could not have come at a better time, in my humble opinion, just because I'm going into this holiday season with that great unknowing that we've sort of been dealing with through this COVID thing. Um, the, the, the vaccine gives us a little bit of hope that, that we're moving forward in a positive direction. But still, we need to find ways uh, to stay safe, of course and really make the most of situations. Does that kind of resonate with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's been an interesting journey for myself because, you know, like you kind of alluded to, I, I coach from personal experience 
And so being an elite athlete first and using the things that I, the tools that I share and work with people, with people on, um, just being able to kind of call on that, you know, it's been interesting to go into this adversity, you know, so I kind of like, I have these little catchphrases with people that I work with and, uh, you know, adversity equals opportunity is what we like to say. And so going into these adverse times, I really didn't know, you know, no one really saw this coming. I mean, this really came out of left field, especially for athletes where all of a sudden, you know, you'd think traditionally of an athlete, they kind of define themselves a bit by their performance, how they were in the last game. Well, all of a sudden the landscape is just completely wiped clean. You know, I work with professional tennis players for, for, you know, an example and their year has been gone. I mean, just the whole year was wiped away in an instant, you know, work with hockey people, you know, and same thing across the board. So, you know, I was kind of looking at, at this situation going into it going, well, I know how I would respond to this, but let's see what happens with the people I'm working with. And so I was pleasantly surprised because we, we work a lot on process, you know, rather than focusing on the outcome, that the outcome's the, the byproduct. So I guess another word might be mastery. So you're focused on this idea of striving for perfection with the understanding that perfection doesn't exist. And so it's kind of the perfect scenario for testing this. Okay, so let's take it from being a theory to is this going to be practical? Is this a real thing? And it was really pleasant to a pleasant surprise for me to have everyone, you know, come back and say, oh, wow, this is yeah, I don't have any competitions, but this is this feels like an opportunity. And so everyone across the board was saying, let's double down like this is it. And that's what I've been trying to share with people is I feel, you know, in this big you know, story that we're all involved in, because, you know, for me, I try to use metaphors. And so one of the metaphors that I like to give, you know, macro micro kind of perspective is the idea that we're all writing our biography and each chapter is a season. And within that season, each day is how you write the page of your, your biography is in the actions and so when you frame it that way, then it gives you perspective. And then I ask everyone, well, okay, um, this COVID chapter, is it going to be a real sleeper? Is it going to be something about, you know, people sitting on the couch watching Netflix or playing video games all day? Or is this going to be about you attacking the adversity and going into it and finding all the opportunity rather than waiting around for things to, you know, go back to a, a version of normal? So, yeah, it's been actually really rewarding. I like the challenge, you know, and, and the people that I've worked with have had really great results because of that mindset. Yeah. Hey, hey, um, Seth, do you think that that mindset is, that's, that's probably not a natural mindset. I mean, we're all influenced by the people around us. You know, you have that pack mentality. I know for a fact, like, you know, it's interesting when I work in professional football, there's a mentality in football that I just totally enjoy and love. When I get into the golf atmosphere, it's a very different mentality, but I love it. I mean, it's just a different type of mentality, but, but it's really important. These discussions, uh, because even the best of us with the greatest of intentions and with all of the knowledge, even, uh, and, well, maybe I shouldn't speak the best. I'll speak for myself here. I've found myself having tough times through this COVID, um, this COVID, uh, um, sort of, you know, uh, episode we're going through. I, I found myself kind of just, 
not losing track, but, but getting caught up in the downside of it. And it takes maybe com- sometimes conversations like this just to go to perk me bad up, back up and get me back on track again. So, so it's good to have those people around you and these discussions existing, right? Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, I think that, you know, it's easier to say than do. I'll always put that disclaimer. I can say it, uh, you know, we can both sound very eloquent when we describe it, but when, you know, you really need to get out there and, and do something, you know, that, that's the real test. And it is a challenge. It's a challenge for me. You know, it's still a challenge for me every day. Um, but that's just life. You know, that's the human condition where we're given these, you know, this, this environment and we, we either choose to do what we can with it or, you know, we, we become possibly a victim of it. And so I'd rather do something. And so in the doing, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable. That's just the way it is. I mean, I like George Mumford is the, you know, the mental coach, uh, for, you know, he, he's the one that introduced the Zen approach to the bulls and the Lakers and getting to know him was a, a real pleasure. And he has this phrase that he would use with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, which is, you know, make, make the discomfort the comfort, you know? And so you get used to, this is just the lay of the land. It's uncomfortable. Now it doesn't make it comfortable, you know, but at least you can process it and you can just handle it. And, and so that's what I've tried to do with people is just to be able to, you know, that's kind of what the work that we do, you're giving the space to have the discussion, which is huge. That is a big, big part of, you know, what we do is to be able to just give the space to be confused, give the space to be frustrated. And then from there, what do we, how do we do this? How do we, how do we process it? What can we do next? And, you know, so when I'm coaching, I always look for metaphors. I kind of like the power of story. And so one uh, area that, that I took uh, people through and teams, I work with teams as well through um, was to be able to, okay, so I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, I feel this as, as a participant of life, but also as an athlete, past athlete, when I feel the adversity, I feel the pressure of, you know, being in isolation that kind of piques my interest. It, it's just because I've trained myself to see the opposite. And this took training to actually go, okay, when there's chaos, there's opportunity, you know, cause we're really hardwired to avoid chaos, to find safety, you know, over these, you know, the, the history since the beginning of time, we're avoiding, you know, risk. And so when you're an elite athlete, the irony is, is that you're actually going into the building when everybody's running out of the building. So you're going into chaos to find, you know, the puck, you know, you're going into chaos to find the football, you know, to find the opportunity, whatever it is. And so that's what, you know, you have to train is to, you know, be able to almost rewire it, it in the opposite direction. So when I started to feel the adversity, um, I, I, again, go inward. That's, that's how I try to always be. I got to go into my personal experience and then whatever comes to the surface is, you know, something that rings true for me. Um, and so when I felt the adversity, I went to a friend of mine who fits the cyclists, you know, the top cyclists in the world. So the pros and the Olympians. And I said, I got this idea. I want to run past you. And the idea is, okay, so the Tour de France, that's like one of the big events for cycling. And so if you, um, you know, if you look at the race overall, uh, are, are the people that are coming out on top, the ones that, 
more or less attack the mountain stages. And, and he goes, okay, I like that. Um, let me go. I'm going to be riding ironically with someone that actually won, you know, one of the Tour de France stages. So I'll ask him get firsthand knowledge. So he comes back to me, he says, yep, it's definitely, he, he confirmed that, that it's how people ride in the mountains when, when things are the most adverse, you know, that's where the opportunity is versus waiting until the, the descents, the downhill or the flats, because those are basically the time when it's really a group concept, you know, where it's aerodynamics, it's technology based, but when it's up in the mountain stages where adversity is at its greatest, it's individual. So that's the difference. So that I took that and I go, okay, now I can coach from this perspective. And I started calling it, you know, tour de COVID. Okay. And, and so <laughs> I, I love like, it. Yeah. <laughs> so with everyone, I was like, are you going to attack the mountain stage of tour de COVID? You know, yes, it sucks, but that's the mountain stage sucks. You know, that's what it is. It, it, it's adverse. It's something where, most people are probably going to be pushing back and looking for something a little more uncomfortable. This is, the, you know, and, and I still feel this way, even though it's taken a lot longer than we expected. I think this is the opportunity of a lifetime. You know, I wish I was an athlete right now, quite honestly, because this is the time you double down. This is the time when people are chaotic and kind of looking around, waiting for the next new normal. This is the opportunity. And it's ironic because most people don't look at it that way. Most people are like, okay, I'll all compete when we're back to normal and we can all compete like we were competing before. It's like, no, that that's, you know, to me, that's backwards. To me, I've always found the opportunity and the adversity. Oh, I love that tour de COVID people. What a great, what a great way to think about it. And I do love the concept. Like when things get tough, you know, the old, when things get tough, the tough get going. It's kind of so true here. And that's kind of what we're mentioning. But I really like the whole idea of attack the hills, attack the adversity, because I think that's something that can resonate with everybody right now. Because it is, it is really easy to get lost in these times, and especially when it's an unfamiliar setting now. But but I, I agree with you. It's an adventure. And, and, and sometimes it's tough to put yourself out there. But boy, oh boy, there is a massive opportunity. We're talking with Seth Pepper, everybody. You can check out his great information at Seth pepper.com um you mentioned a very important word there seth perspective and i i really do i think that's a really really important word for almost anything we do getting perspective is sometimes more difficult than it sounds and that's why it's great to talk and learn from everybody around you you mister have a, a an incredible perspective because of what you've been through and this is a this is a, a self-made story. So for our listeners who might not be familiar with your background and your story and how you wound up being a high-performance mental coach where you're at right now, maybe take us back to the beginning when, when you um, decided to self-impose some adversity and, 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 and create an opportunity and adversity for yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, sure, yeah. Let me go back to, to the beginning somewhat and, and say, okay, I... I I had this idea growing up when I was a little kid before, you know, I really knew what it was. Um, I would watch the Olympics and I fell in love with the Olympics. I had this calling for it and I didn't come from an athletic family. So I was kind of a, an alien to, to the surroundings. And, and so when I was 14, that's when I really took it upon myself to, as I, as I like to say, to take control of my, my destiny. So I started studying the Olympics and I was really, uh, you know, now in, in retrospect, I, I say it's uh, my life's been um, really a mental experiment 
And so it starts in the mind, you know, and then, you know, plays out into the words you speak and then into the actions you do. And so for me, it was the idea of the Olympics and I started studying the Olympics and I had the, you know, my list out of all the different sports. And then I went and crossed out the sports that didn't seem to fit. And I'm, I'm originally from Oregon. So I'm thinking practically, like, how can I get access to these sports and which ones, which sport kind of feels better than the others. And so a process of elimination with no experience whatsoever of any of these sports, um, I, I chose swimming. And once I focus on swimming, that's all I watched. So now I'm studying just swimming. And then the announcer was going to interview an Olympic gold medalist. And he asked the question that was in my head. Exactly. Word for word. If someone out there wants to do what you just did, what would you suggest? And I remember saying that it's like my sky is parting moment. And I said, whatever she says, that's what I'm doing. And so she said, well, I came through a YMCA program. Okay. So in the United States, at least we have YMCA's in all the small towns. And I'm from a tiny town of Kaiser, Oregon, population 25,000 people. And so we had a YMCA. So I go down to the YMCA I walk up to the coach, head coach, and I say, I want to go to the Olympics. Can you help me? And it was basically just that's, that's how I've always been. It's very direct in my words and my actions and very clear, you know. And, and so he kind of laughed, kind of chuckled, but he, he liked it, you know, and, and he said, sure, come on back. You know, so I kept I started swimming. And mind you, I'm 14 and all the people I'm competing with are eight. That's, that's where you start when you're starting. <laughs> so, so you haven't, yeah. you haven't, you hadn't been like an avid swimmer up to that point. No, no. I was, I was one of those swimmers. That if, if I was at a pool party and someone accidentally knocked me in the water, I could get to the side, but I didn't know the different strokes. I didn't know, you know, how you compete at the sport. I didn't know any of that. Wow. No, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so at the same time, my dad was always interested in self-development and, you know, so he had all these books. And so he was reading this book on memory. And in this book, there were, he, he handed it to me, he goes, I think you, you know, read these five pages. I think it was just a very short part of the, 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 the whole book. And he's and in it, these five pages, um, it was a study of what the East Germans were doing. And, you know, back then it was like space age. It was something like no one talked about this stuff. And so what the study was, was uh, basketball. So they were shooting free throws and they had three groups. One group, all they did was just shoot baskets all, all the time, the whole time. And then this middle group that was a mix between shooting part of the time shooting baskets, but then part of the time doing this mental training, which I, I had no idea what that was at the time. Um, this mixed group, that's what they did. And then this other group did this mental training. They didn't even touch a basketball at all whatsoever. So the results come back and the group that did all physical training scored the lowest by far. And then the mixed group scored the highest. Um, and then this group that didn't even touch a basketball scored slightly below, below the, the top group. And that just got me curious, like what? They didn't even touch a basketball and they outscored the ones that all they did was touch a basketball. And that it, that just got me started on the whole journey. So I went down the rabbit hole with that. And I'm, you know, so that's kind of unique to start a sport. And then also part of your foundation is all based on mental performance. And so right away, I convinced my dad, we got to go to this pool, you know, so this pool was being built. It was 12 hour drive. And my dad, you know, he's, he's very supportive. 
we did the drive to take pictures of a pool that was being built, but I knew that that pool was going to be a competition pool that I was going to compete in in the future. So I needed visual images to surround myself with. So I took those pictures, I put them up on the wall. And then at the same time, I went and I, there was a Sports Illustrated um, article on my hero at the time, Pablo Morales. And it had this great picture of Pablo, you know, throwing what we call pumpers, you know, when you celebrate when you win. So he's celebrating a win. And so I cut that out. And then I took my picture and I put it so that it looked like he was cheering for me. And I put it so his, he was, his picture was touching my picture. So I was bringing in the two realities, the future and where I was at. And, you know, just making it real. No one told me how to do this at all. I was just thinking, well, if, if, if my power of, of my mind is in, in, in the vision that I have and the clarity that I have, then I got to surround myself with just reaffirmment of that over and over and over. So I'm living in the future, even though I'm in the now, you know? So, and so, so, hey, Seth, so, so Seth, you, so you posted those pictures like on the wall of your bedroom or they were there where you could see them every day. I love that. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, they were right there. You know, I'd wake up and I'd see the picture of Pablo. I'd see the picture of me and I'd see pictures of the swimming pool. And that's what I saw all the time. I mean, I was obsessed, you know, like Kobe Bryant, you know, he, he has the Mamba mentality, which I love. And um, his first number rule is obsession is not an option. And I was truly obsessed, you know, with this vision. And so, yeah, I, I even took glow in the dark paint and uh, on my ceiling, I wrote out all of my goals. I wrote out my, my stats, you know, like the different times that I wanted that I was, you know, striving for just in, in the, in the likelihood that I might wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I'm going to first shot, I'm going to see these glow in the dark numbers on the ceiling. So yeah, I wanted <laughs> I love to it. surround. <laughs> love it, man. Yeah. 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 So I started doing the, the visualization. I started doing all different things, you know, affirmation, all kinds of things that you could possibly do. And uh, within four years, I became the Oregon State uh, champion. So I was a state champion in four years from learning the sport. And from there, um, again, what I try to coach to is that we are our words and we are our actions. So be deliberate in everything you do. So I went and I contacted the top 20 schools and this, uh, I'll really, you know, this, Jeff, this is really important. It seems so subtle, but this is very, very important for people to know because a lot of people, you know, whether they have children or it's the actual athlete that's coming up through the ranks there, I think a big myth is that if I'm good enough, someone's going to find me. And I want to tell you, no one found me. I was a state champion, but I went and found them. And that's, I, I flipped it because I wanted to go out and I wanted to give the, the world, this is why I try to coach the people, give the world a chance to reject you before you reject you. Okay. That's huge. That, that is, is huge. huge. You just, <laughs> so I, I contacted all the top 20 schools, put together, you know, like my highlights. And then I, I put in there a mission statement, which is just a clear letter of, who am I, you know, where I think your program could go and the role I could play in that. And, you know, just being very direct to that coach's needs. And I got all top, all top 20 schools actually responded to it. So that went well. And then I chose the university of Arizona. And by the time I was a sophomore, I was racing the Olympic gold medalist, Anthony Nesty and beating him the entire race at nationals. 
um, until the final stroke. So he outtouched me like he outtouched Matt Biondi to win the gold medal. Um, but you could see relatively that within six years, I'd gone from training with eight-year-olds and learning this sport to being one of the best in the world. And so that's my story. You know, that's that's kind of the nut, uh, the you know, kind of the, the the time capsule of my story to get out there and really share with people that you really can make your dreams come true. It's not just some movie. Like this is a real life thing. And what's important to this whole story, another nice little um, uh, element uh, to it, is that when I won the national title, which was in my senior year, I won twice, and then I went the fastest split ever recorded. The, when I was in the, the, the award ceremony where they're going to hand out the trophy, guess who marches out in the parade to give me the trophy? It's Pablo Morales himself, Come the guy that I had on man. the wall. Oh my goodness! Hey, that's making things happen right there. Hey, did he give you the fist bump, man? This is the, this is the picture <laughs> on your bedroom wall coming true, man. That is craziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had tears in my eyes. Oh, I, I was bet. like, Pablo, you you have no idea what this means. I mean, this completes me. I mean, this is the entire circle, you know, that we that we're doing right here. And he was just really, really gracious and. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, you, you hear stories like that, but I've actually been able to coach people into that, you know, to be able to have a vision, put it up on the wall, and they've had experiences of things coming true. So, you know, whatever belief system we're, we're part of, you know, uh, there's some, you know, if I can say it, there's a bit of magic involved, you know, of creating opportunities for yourself. And, you know, so so another important part to this is that, with my career, it went the way it did. Then my brother, who's two and a half years younger, he's still in Oregon and I'm in Arizona now at school. And he decides at 17 that he wants to start swimming. And so I started doing what I could do, which is what I do now, which is everything from remote that I'm coaching him and doing all the mental you know, preparation and all the mental training and strength um, uh, from a distance. And so he goes what he goes through what he needs to go through to get to the school, and then he comes to the university, and then his senior year, um, he goes to nationals, and he's a dark horse. You know, he's on the outside lane, and the fastest he'd ever assembled with. We had, they had Olympians in there, they had past national champions, and then they had my brother. And with my brother and the mindset, it was keep it simple. You know, uh, so your brother did it, you can do it. You know, however, we're going to get access. That's the most, I'm always working on access. You know, how do we, how do we access our unlimited potential? So for him, it was that simple idea and he dove in and, um, he took the race from start to finish and he won his national title and we became the first brothers to ever win the same national title in the same event in the history of swimming. And really the connection is our, our trust and faith in the power of the mind. So, you know, I've got being able to do it. <laughs> I got goosebumps, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm inspired. I got goosebumps. Uh, fascinating, fascinating conversation. Everybody, we are talking with Seth Pepper, high performance mental coach. Seth has worked with a number of professional athletes and teams in virtually every sport you can imagine from the NFL to major league baseball to PGA to uh, uh, the NCAA NBA, just great, great information there. And, and the fascinating thing, Seth, so, so many great things. I just got to, 
I, I like your idea or, or I like latching on to that Kobe phrase, obsession is not an option. That's a real important one for me. I also really, and you're right. Uh, uh, this might be one that could easily slip by people if they're not, you know, sort of um, uh, made aware of it. But but find me, f- find them. Don't wait for people to find you. Go out and put yourself out there. I guess that's that's part. That's a big part of this adventure. You know, being an athlete. Period. You got to put yourself. You got to be comfortable putting yourself out there. Oh yeah, yeah, and and you know, it's also discomfortable. You know, or uncomfortable is probably the right word. Um, you know, so it's not. You know, it's one of those things like you just got to show up and just like you know what we're going through now. The adversity is is not comfortable, but you find comfort in the discomfort. So it's kind of a familiar friend of yours. So when you you sense it, then you're you know all of a sudden your senses you know heightened, and you're like okay how do I move into this rather than resist this? And so I've naturally trained myself over many years to move into it rather than, you know, avoid it. And I try to coach that with others. So yeah, showing up is really important, giving people a chance, giving the world a chance to to do the rejecting. And again, rejecting is a dramatic word. Okay. So if you're really interested in mastery, if you're really interested in the process over the outcome, that you 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 have a feedback loop, okay? Mm-hmm. So as an athlete, as a performer, so I, I work with athletes, I work with coaches, um, I work with individuals, teams, but also what's been interesting is to work with business people, so like C-suite, CEO people, and then now I'm starting to work with artists, so I'm working with a Netflix director and, you know, working with actors and, and musicians, and it's performance across the board, and nothing's changed. I, they actually like me telling the sports stories because they're great examples. They're great metaphors, you know, to be able to to really put into practice something and simplify it. And so with this feedback loop, you know, we're collecting data, whether we frame it like a scientist. I mean, I'm always kind of thinking of it as a, you know, scientific experiment, mm-hmm. but we're collecting data. So you got to try something, see if it works. Now, the people that we, you know, kind of put on the pedestal of the ESPN highlights and the different big sports shows, if you go back and you study the greats, you take Tiger Woods, you take Gretzky, you take um, Brady, you know, you, 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 you name it. <clears throat> There's this thing that I like to call the blueprint, okay? So the blueprint is this, what I would call deliberate practice where it's very uncomfortable, deliberate practice, where you take a, a, a skill set or a skill and then you break it down into tiny little parts. And then those little parts is what you focus on. And you take the, the part that feels the most uncomfortable, you know? So every, I kind of use the, probably the example of you sit down to eat a plate of food, you eat the vegetables first, if they're your least, you know, favorite, you know, so you go, you dive into the discomfort first. I just naturally go to that. And then you build it out part by part and you put it together and then it becomes this effortless looking flow to it. And that's what Kobe talks about, you know? So thing I love about Kobe is, you know, you can study him. He's got great, before he passed away, he started sharing a story. It's, it's absolutely beautiful how he went from, you know, this great athlete to being a great storyteller and he wins the NBA championship. One of the greats as an athlete, but he also wins the Oscar in the creative field. Right. So he, and he's applying this, this creativity, this, this performance sort of, you know, he has a way of looking at something 
as a, you know, a scientist, as a scholar and going, he, he never once said, I'm just going to go dominate in basketball. He said he started with this idea and he said, I wonder if I can do what magic did and bird did. I wonder what that's like. I'm going to, let's just go see if we can do this. Let's, let's just try. And so he, he was in this sort of exploratory kind of scholar, you know, frame of mind. And so he takes, you know, the, the number one rule obsession is, is not an option, but then he takes it into, okay, I need to be vulnerable. Okay. You, you know, vulnerability is uncomfortable. I got to be vulnerable because I have to be curious in order to be curious and learn. You have to be vulnerable. So anyone that's a, a know-it-all is going to really struggle because they're going to be protected and guarded. So it's not about knowing things. It's actually about being curious. And so that to me, I mean, just changes everything when you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable and move into the discomfort. And then, you know, to me, I look at Kobe's career and I look at the other greats and I go, you know, they were studying, they were studying all the time, you know, what worked before. And so like Kobe tells stories of sitting, you know, kind of, kind of sitting at the foot of the greats. So he went out and he talked to Bird and he talked to Magic and he talked to all these greats to kind of pick their brain and find out, you know, how can I put this towards my career? So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it, is, it is incredibly interesting, Seth. And, you know, I, 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 think, I think a lot of times people, um, you're right, we are naturally maybe just sort of hardwired uh, naturally to just sort of find that safe spot, stay in that comfort zone. You know, walking that fine line to the other side of that comfort zone is is sometimes really challenging for people. Hey, I wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned um, that there's a little bit of magic involved here, you know, and, you know, hey, we should we should open the Seth Pepper show in Vegas, man, because uh, you're a magician here, man. <laughs> if there's magic involved here, you're, you're creating the magic, you know, like a lot like a lot of people do. But but um, I think a lot of people underestimate their ability to create that magic. And, and you know, your story is a true testament to that. Hey, I wanted to ask you, Seth, you know, in because in, we all know that, you know, the whole nature versus nurture conversation has been going on for eons since people roamed the earth and started communicating. People have been asking, hey, so what, what, is, the, what is the formula here? And, and so the nature versus nurture conversation has always been a fascinating one for me. In your environment, okay, because you do have a very, very unique story here. Like, this is incredible. And, and to have a, a young teenager at 14 years of age, you know, motivated to do something like this, were there people around you that, that sort of you might attribute your, your thought process? You know, you mentioned your, your father was obviously a, a big influence there um, in his approach to uh, self-betterment and self-learning. Um, but environment is incredibly important. And, 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 you know, some of the environments we see in the sporting world today, especially at the developmental level, this is something we talk about on crush performance. A lot of times, um, you know, to the coaches and the parents out there, uh, it sometimes works against us because we might focus on the wrong things. Like, you know, we focus on the outcomes, as you mentioned, we need to focus on the process a little bit more, but, but in your environment, were there things, were there key people around you, uh, that, that helped feed fuel your fire? I guess that might be the best way to say it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's another great uh, question. Um, I would say both, 
that were helpful and destructive, yeah. you know, in a good way, in a good way, ultimately. Okay. So we need challenges. And, and so ironically, I started out with some, I'm not going to name coaches. I've had a number of coaches, but I started out with some coaches that were less than desirable. I wasn't the favorite, you know, I wasn't the darling. I, I swam the exact event and that they just couldn't understand. So I like, I, I was swimming a short event. They love the distance event, you know, so they train, try to train me like a distance person, which is the opposite of what I needed. They were negative, you know, they, they challenged my, my dreams. And, and so <clears throat> along the way I was challenged. So I need, I always want to establish that because I think a lot of people deal with that where, you know, coaches can be, you know, I mean, more or less, and maybe there's a fit, maybe there isn't a fit. So I've had a number of times where it wasn't a fit, but I kept going. I kept showing up, you know, I was a bit rebellious and, and I knew there was something out there that I would eventually, it would click. And that happened later in my career. So I developed this adversity and be able to have a sort of confidence under any condition. So I had that early, the challenges. And then when I got to college, I had incredible coaches, incredible. So as the cream rises to the top, you know, then you get up there and then you're surrounded by, you know, some amazing people. So I had a coach that we started out as basically two no names. Um, He felt that he was lucky to get the job. um, And I felt like I was lucky to be there. And he didn't have a resume and neither did I, you know, relatively speaking. Um, But from there, we built out a trusting relationship. And then I had another coach. So in swimming, you have a head coach and then you have more of a specialty coach. So the head coach was the one I was just mentioning. And then my specialty coach was the sprint coach, the short distance coach. And he was, you know, as wonderful in, 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 in an area where he was an Olympian. He was a gold medalist. He was a world record holder, all of those things. And which was really key was that he was an artist. And so he spoke to me in really simple terms and he, he, you know, really touched my career in a way that, you know, from personal experience, kind of like what I try to do with the people I work with is that you've been to the battle or the battlefield and you can speak like a warrior. So with him, uh, you know, he was the one that really was able to simplify it for me. So for me, um, going into these big national meets, you know, he would have simple little phrases like you would think of an artist. And so he would say little things like, um, you know, cook your own burger is one of those things. It's kind of a silly phrase. <laughs> I love it. But... <laughs> That's fantastic, man. I love it. <laughs> You know, so you're at a barbecue and everyone brings their own, you know, they're cooking their own burger. So don't focus on how everybody else is cooking. Just cook your own burger. That's the one you're going to eat. That's all you need to focus on. Simple little phrases like that that would help. Um, The way he would, you know, articulate how the water feels, you know. So he would talk about swimming on a riverbed, you know, when you can pull when you're a little kid and you can pull the rocks as you're going up the creek. You know, and he would say, pull rocks. And he'd just say these simple things that said so much. And it was just this sort of connection where, okay, I get it. And I remember that this was nationals and my dad was a nervous wreck and he comes in and this is in between prelims and finals. And he knew that he could do this with me. And he comes in and he goes, I see your dad's out in the hallway pacing. Can you go calm down your dad? (laughs) And so... (laughs) 
it's, it's it. interesting. <laughs> yeah. I've actually used that with, with some of the people I work with because when you start to think about others, yeah. when the pressure is great, you get out of yourself. Yeah. You know, like Kobe always says, get over it, get over yourself. That's, that's his way of saying it. So the way that I was forced out of getting over myself was to go comfort my dad and be able to say, dad, it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant move right there that is that's pretty cool right there that's a really cool yeah, that's yeah. a really cool uh uh story right there yeah, yeah. we're talking yeah, with, it's i've been very fortunate sorry yeah no that's fine no we're talking with seth pepper you could check out seth's great information at sethpepper.com yeah so so interesting you know and 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 again there are trying times there's ups and downs with everything that we do and as long as you sort of keep your your compass pointed in the right direction um um, you, you can find your ways. I'm a big, big fan of dreaming big. I'm a big fan of this. I always, always have been. And I found that uh, people more often than not can accomplish more than they believe they can at the start once they get into the process. But it's not always easy, is it, Seth? Like, I mean, when we talk about the transitions in life and certainly in sport, you know, as you're building towards your career and all the success you had, that's pretty fun, uh, you know, having success. But but um, also then the transition away from sport, you know, for a lot of the athletes we've worked with, you know, that's not always an easy time either. Because as you mentioned right at the start of the conversation, you know, when we were talking about athletes and students, uh, artists, musicians, whatever it might be in this COVID time where, where our, identity, our identities are kind of challenged right now. Um, that's not an uncommon thing in the sporting world either as, as athletes work sort of through their career timelines. And, and you had a tough time at one point as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and in from my own personal experience, I try to coach people, um, you know, through what is inevitable, you know, that and, and I like to keep it simple, which is the sport that you do. You know, if, if I'm talking to an athlete or even a coach, the sport that you do is what you, it's what you're doing. It's not who you are, right. you know, who you are as a human being. And if your identity is wrapped up in what you're doing, uh, the sport itself, then you're actually not at peak performance, you know, top performance. Um, you need the separation, you need the perspective. And so, you know, ironically, if you can step back and be able, and Kobe was good about this early in his career, he realized like, I think it was the second year into the league. He goes, well, my career could end at any moment with an injury. And so he started to develop this sort of separation between the two worlds so that when he stepped onto the court, he's the black mamba, the killer snake. But then when he's off the court, he's Kobe. He's a loving parent and, you know, and, and, and being a regular person, a person. And so that's what I try to coach to is, is to be able, especially early on, to be able to say, you know, your sport is what you do. It's not who you are. And, and your performance is not going to affect your, you know, your, your identity as a human being. And so when you get that in place, I mean, that can be really powerful because then, you know, you're going into the battle. So let's say it's a game of chess or it's a game of, you know, hockey or you, you, you take the sport. Um, you go into it with this sort of a perspective where I'm doing this to die but it's metaphorically dying. You know, I'm going to play this to the best of my ability mm -hmm. and I'm going to play it to the death of me, you know, the, the end of the game. Um, and then that's it. And then I can go, you know, and, and do other things in the same day. And, you know, it sounds so simple, but 
we get really wrapped up in our identity and our performance. And so, you know, I look at it differently now because I didn't have that separation. So when I was performing, I felt like that was me, you know, and my worth was my time. And I didn't see it very clearly until I was done, you know. So I, when I was done, I had, you know, this, this kind of moment where I started telling people, don't introduce me as Seth the swimmer, just introduce me as Seth. And they'd hear me and they'd say, okay, sure. But they would always introduce me as Seth the swimmer because, you know, it had something, it had a story to it and it was fun, but I was serious. Um, I didn't know who Seth was, you know, and when my sport was over, that's when I had to go and explore that. So, you know, I had my, what I call my Forrest Gump years where I grew my hair out, you know, down to to the small of my back. I had a big beard. I gave away (laughs) everything I had. Yeah. You know, I'm intense in my sport. I'm intense out of sport. You know, let's go all in. And, you know, just to get to know who I was when I, you know, stripped away all of the, the external stuff. And it was really helpful. It was really helpful to be able to get that sort of confidence that, hey, um, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay without the sport. I'm going to be okay as just a regular, as a human being. And so I think that's really key because if you get that early, it will make it so that you're not playing uh, in fear. And a lot of people don't really see that. They They kind of get used to this sort of fight or flight sort of mindset where, I could really die out there because their identity is out there. Well, I I like to say that that may get you to the 96%, you know, living in fear um, and playing in fear. But if you want that extra top 4%, that's going to take you to the pros, that's going to take you to the next level. You're not going to get it through fight or flight. That's not a, that's not a sustainable energy source at all. At all. I love that. I, I, Seth, this is resonating with me. This, if you can hold your thoughts, I've just got to jump in here. (laughs) I apologize, but this is really resonating with me. You know, I, of course, in my background, working with athletes, I've seen this happen. And I I like what you said there about living in fear. That's kind of like the burn the boats mentality, right? Going in uh, all in no matter what. And, and, and though there might be a time and approach for that, I, I really like your idea of, you know, that, that last few percent, that'll give you, that'll get you pretty, that'll get you in a good way, a good way along the, along the trip and along the road. But that last little bit takes a little bit more. So a couple of stories uh, I'd like to share, maybe this will resonate with you as well. We were working with a young uh, baseball player who was drafted and signed to professional baseball from South Africa, not a baseball nation in any way, shape or form. And uh, this young player uh, I knew for quite a few years, he came up through one of our academies and just created that unbelievable opportunity for himself. But when he signed to pro, I just noticed a big shift in his attitude and his approach. Um, he was nervous. And, and so I, we sat down one day and I just said, Hey, you know, I just asked him how things were going. He goes, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I said, so, um, are you doing anything other than baseball? He goes, no, I'm trying to go all in. I'm spending every day. I said, well, listen, what else do you like? Like, do you play music? Do you, do you like movies? He goes, this is what he said to me. We're sitting outside and just imagine this. We're sitting outside. I said, so, Hey, so what else do you, what else, what do you like? He goes, you know, I like, I like panoramas. I said, what? panorama. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I I like landscapes. I said, well, listen, have you ever thought about like getting into photography and capturing some of those? He goes, no. I said, well, hey, why don't you try it? Next time you see a great panorama or a great view or a vista when you go hiking or whatever, why don't you take a picture and just send it to me? 
And so he started taking pictures and it was a, that right there was a game changer for him. Cause you know, he, I guess maybe, and again, not to be, not to get inside of his head at all, but it just seemed that it took him away from the game a little bit, away from the training a little bit, it rounded him out. And one other story, an Olympic freestyle skier here in Canada, um, when she, she was struggling, doing well, she was, you know, up there in the world um, and she was doing really well, but she was working part-time on her degree uh, as she was training and competing on the World Cup circuit. When she got her degree, Seth, boom, her career took off. And she will say that, that getting that degree was a turning point for her because she was always worried about what am I going to do after skiing? What am I going to do after skiing? The schooling took her away, rounded her out a little bit, but she said that was a launching point for her. Anyway, you just made me think of that through this, uh, this part of the conversation. Just fascinating stuff. And that's, that's the mental game and psychology at its finest. I would, I would agree. Uh, I think it's something that, uh, especially nowadays, we, we have such a focus on specialization and at such an early age, you know, um, and I think it's definitely a big discussion piece that, that I have to, go, you know, we all have to start talking about more. You know, one of the, you know, there, there was an interview that I think is really, for me, it was, was really telling. Um, it was between Kevin Love, who was an NBA champion with the Cleveland, um, you know, organization with, with LeBron James, and he's interviewing um, Michael Phelps. Okay, so it, it, Kevin Love is known now uh, being one of the first people to admit that he was having panic attacks, and he would leave the game at halftime, and so he had enough courage to not only admit it to others around him, but to, for it to be a voice of, of this uh, mental health piece. And, and so now because part of, partly because of his effort or courage, every single NBA team has to have a sports psychologist on staff. Okay. So he's interviewing Michael Phelps, who Michael Phelps has 21 gold medals, gold medals, just gold. It's insane. And he has 49 gold records. Okay. So we're, here we are, we're sacrificing everything for our sport and with this idea that if I win the gold, then my life is set. I'll be wealthy, I'll be famous, and I'll just be happy. This guy has 21 of those, okay? And he's sitting there and he's admitting to Kevin Love, he's saying, after my 21st win, my 21st gold medal, I didn't want to live anymore. I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. Now that should be something where we're, we're going, wait, um, we need a balance here. You know, yeah, we're training. We want to win the gold, but also who are we as human beings? You know, we, we, we have to be a whole person. And so when you tell these great stories of, of the people that you worked with, it makes perfect sense because when I, when I start with someone, the foundation that we start with is goals. Okay. And goals is a word that maybe is overused, but you really have to know your vision. You got to know what turns you on, what, what what's going to ignite that light inside you. And so as you're going through that, you have to be able to, to process it on a level and then be able to, you know, share, share, like not just what's going to happen in the sport, but what's going to happen on the outside of the sport. So I like to have goals that aren't just sports driven, but just life driven. And then people have, they go in with a perspective and a balance to them. And when they have that balance, see, see when I'm going through the goal process, 
I also will take them through, okay, let's imagine this goal's ha- this goal has happened. How is this going to change your life? Okay. How is this going to make you feel? And you know, the number one, I, I want to say like almost like 98%, like that much, that, that consistent, the number one answer is confidence. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's all confidence. And so if it's that simple, how do we get the confidence? Okay. We want the goal. We want the result. But how do we create the environment for that to not only happen, but to sustain it? Well, let's focus on confidence, okay? So then I take people, I have this catchphrase, baby steps to a quantum leap. So baby steps, pretty simple. You got to do things. Even though we work in the mental space, it's ironically, it's about action. So your thoughts become your words, which become your actions. So you got to speak it into existence. You got to act it into existence. And so as you're working through the, these cycles, you got to be able to, to just keep taking those little baby steps every single day. And what that does, that create your action, your action in your words, it creates momentum. Okay. Now with momentum, then what happens is what I like to call the 10 X factor you gain confidence. And when you get confidence, that is a game changer. Again, we go back to the beginning. What are you going to feel like when you get your goal? I'm going to feel more confident. Well, let's work on confidence. So we get to confidence. And what's interesting about this, you know, if I can, again, the scientific approach, this equation, let's say, is that you have a goal, you, you start to get confident, you're getting closer to it, maybe you even actually achieve it, that's one part of the result. But what's even more interesting that I always like to tell people is there's, a, there's like a two-thirds to this whole equation that you don't even see, I don't even see. But once you become more confident, everything changes. You talk differently, you think differently, you act differently. And then all of a sudden, opportunities start to come into your life. You know, And, and, and it's not just about the goal anymore. Yeah, you, you achieved this, but it's about all these other opportunities that you just couldn't have seen because you didn't have the confidence. So now that you have the confidence, all of a sudden the doors start to open that you didn't even know were there. So, yeah, it's interesting stuff. Well, it is interesting. We're talking with Seth Pepper, everybody. You can check out his great information, sethpepper.com. I love this confidence factor. You know, there's some key words in the world of performance that we sometimes um, uh, refer to confidence is certainly one of them. Consistency is another one, you know, determination, you hear Mm -hmm. words like grit and all these words that, that, that people use, and they can be pretty inspiring, but confidence at the end of the day is one of the true drivers of chasing down a dream. And, and it's not always easy because boy, boy, there are hard times and and your confidence will get challenged Seth for sure. So, you know, um, just maybe keeping the big picture in mind, you know, is, is really, really important to, to protect your confidence or maybe build it stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You, you definitely, and I think it's what you were a testament to what you were saying earlier if you know who you are as a person, as a human being, and get to know that, that that's not going to be affected by your performance, then you have that separation. And from that separation, then you can go out there and fail. What's a huge, huge part of performance is failing, you know? And, and I think a lot of people go into this, well, they see the sports center, you know, they see the, the highlight reels that we see on TV that's paraded around on TV. And you see these quick little, you know, blips of someone doing an incredible feat, you know, hitting a hole in one, slamming a basketball, you know, doing, you know, all these amazing things. And that's all we see, but we don't see the process. Now the process is not sexy. 
It just right. isn't. That's right. the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're not going to put that on sports center. You know, they're not going to see like Tiger Woods, you know, he's very, very famous, probably one of the more famous athletes we have in deliberate practice. He used to go into a sand trap, you know, the hardest shot there is, you know, in golf, one of the hardest shots. And then he would throw down, he'd put golf balls in, in the sand and then he'd step on them. And then he'd, he'd shoot that, that, that difficult shot, that impossible shot. That's what he was practicing. So that's a failure waiting to happen. But he was embracing his failure. He's going directly into failure. And so it goes back to what we were t- talking about earlier. You have to embrace this feedback loop. And if you fear failure on any level, you're slowing down the feedback loop. You're getting less data. And we need a lot of data. To be an elite performer, you need as much data as you can get. And if you avoid failure, you're blocking the failure. You're, you're blocking your, your feedback loop. And, and so we, we work to move into the failure, move into it so that we can get more data so we can improve. Yeah, and that goes into kind of your one of the, the um, statements you make on your website, unlimit your potential. That embracing failure is one of the key components to uh, unlimit your potential. Uh, and and I like that. I like that saying, unlimit your potential, because uh, that is a process unto itself, and it can be done. That's the messenger. I like that. I like that saying on a uh, quote on your website, Seth. Yeah, it's a, it's a saying that, you know, when I was six years old, it just popped into my head, you know, one of those epiphanies that all of a sudden I just, you know, and limit your potential. So I live by that. And then I try to instill that, you know, um, even at a young age, you know, I remember as kids, we're jumping our bikes, you know, and trying to go as far as we can. And I'm thinking about how do I motivate the kids on my block? How, how do we go farther than we've ever gone before? And so in the work that I do today, um, I just take people, I, I tell them right from the very, very beginning, you know, this is sacred space and you come to me with a dream and that's it. We go there. You know, you don't have to qualify or quantify any of it. Let's just go there. Let's let's find the most direct route from point A to point B. And so that saying, unlimit your potential, really is a, is a real thing. Because if you look back on my history, I'm from a tiny little town. And I walked around and I said, I want to be the best on the planet at this. I mean, you know how many people laughed in my face? You know how many kids in my high school, like the cool kids, you know, would go, ha, 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 yeah, yeah right. You know, you, you want to go do this. Yeah. I mean, we need I, I, another uh, little concept that I throw out um, is crabs in a bucket. Okay. So crabs in a bucket, you, you don't need to put a top or a lid on the bucket because as soon as the crab starts to get to the top or the edge, the rest of the crabs pull it back down. And I said, you, you, we live in a world of crabs in the bucket. It's not a bad thing. It actually, it develops our, you know, it develops our conditioning. It develops everything because we have to go against the elements. Again, adversity equals opportunity. So if you want to get out of that bucket, you got to be that one crab that goes against the, you know, and, and embraces the adversity. And so unlimit your potential is, is that, you know, to, to go out there and do things that people think are crazy, you know, like totally impossible. And, you know, I had an experience where my best friend from high school, I came back to, to visit him because he asked me to be the godparent of his son and a huge, huge honor. And I, I, I remember looking at him and his face is red and he's, he's like acting star, kind of starstruck. And I'm like, hey, Eric, it's me. You know, he's like, yeah, but you did it. Like you went out, you went into the world. And I say, well, 
okay, I appreciate that. And then, of course, I'm kind of condensing the conversation, but I say, you know, why, why me? Why do you want me to be the godparent of your son? And he said, because you said it and you did it, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, and I hope that he can get that. I hope he can do that in the world. And, and it's so simple, but you know, I mean, that's what life is all about. You got to show up and just keep going, just keep going and, and expect miracles because miracles do happen. Yeah, they really do. Especially if you, especially if you create them and make them happen. Seth, such a great, great conversation. Um, especially at this time, heading into the holidays. So inspirational. I love, love your story, man. And I love how you're sharing with everybody now and helping everybody understand uh, this incredible process. You know, um, we talk about the mental game. We talk about the physical game. And this kind of goes back to your uh, tour de COVID uh, conversation, you know, where we look at facing adversity and really that's what, that's, what's going to separate us. You know, when it comes to human performance, you know, especially when we talk about our sports and our sporting world, you know, we're kind of in a biological ceiling. We really truly are. You know, when it comes to human physiology, we have an incredible understanding now of, of the physical side, faster, higher, stronger, more powerful. We, we have a good concept of how that happens when it comes to skill acquisition and talent development, block training, dynamic, uh, variable training, you know, all this stuff is, is pretty well understood and, and we're getting there. I, I really do think that, and, and this is why I'm so fascinated by this conversation and, and your story. Um, you know, I really do think that, you know, one of the next great areas for tapping into human potential and pushing human potential forward, and you've lived it, is, is this mental game. The mental game is so, so important. And yet we don't spend enough time, I believe, even at the highest levels of sport, really addressing this. Sports psychology has kind of gotten a bad rap in the past, and I like where it's going now in terms of the performance side. Um, but but one of the things that that we we've been working on here on the radio show is something called the brain game. In 2021, one of our main themes, Seth, is going to be the brain game. We're really going to try to crack down and share with everybody our understanding of where we're at in terms of the brain. And that's a big thing. When we talk about the brain, it's one of the most incredible organisms in our known universe, as far as I'm concerned. It truly is. And we have a lot to learn there. But when we start tapping into that and understanding that and maybe maybe allowing the mental side of the game to come into play, um, I don't even know how far we can go. But you talk about the mental game, 70 to 90 percent and and how powerful that is. And so as we head into 2021 here, our brain game, I think we're in a good, good position. Uh, the mental side of sport, um, the mind, the brain, the, the anatomical brain versus the mind, which is the personality and everything that goes on, uh, a really fascinating and interesting time in human maybe performance right now, Seth. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think we're kind of at a nexus. I think that there's, you know, a joint, a kind of a crossover with a centering of, of what you're talking about, uh, the brain game. Uh, I think that technology is in, 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 at an interesting place. I mean, we, we have vir- virtual reality and we have all the different things that are kind of evolving and, and finally becoming a tangible tool that we can actually use scientifically. Um, I think the mental health piece is very important to address. So, you know, we need to start talking about it openly. Um, I think what will in- inevitably happen from that discussion will be, okay, now we're, we're working on fixing things. How do we get out ahead of it? And that's when you bring in mental performance. 
So I think these three main areas, mental health, mental performance, technology, they're all coming together into to this really, really exciting area. I've heard that you know, nutrition really took off. Um, I, I want to say like 10 years ago, it really, uh, really, really escalated. And I would say the same thing is happening with the mental performance part of it. And, you know, to me, I, I just see it as a very exciting place to, to be and to be able to speak to, speak to and, and be able to touch, you know, people's lives. Because at the end of the day, you know, we just need a bit of hope, right? You know, and we need people out there that say, yeah, um, I, I see you. I get you and you can do it. You know, I, I think that's a really important conversation for people to, to, to have, you know, and, and what I try to do is I'm working directly with a person or a team. Um, uh, I also like to bring in and cross-reference different sports. I, I find that that's really fascinating for everyone to kind of hear about, you know, their hockey player, they hear about a golfer, they hear about a tennis player, they hear about a football player and, and, you know, to kind of find the similarities between everyone's kind of process of using the, the power of the mind. Um, and then I like to go and study and pull apart the wiring uh, of the greats. And so, you know, you look at Steve Nash, you look at Steve Kerr, um, you, you even look at Kobe and you see this self-determination, you see this, um, uh, self-motive, self-motivation, you see this exploration, um, where, you know, like, let's say Steve Nash, Steve Nash, he's six, three and he weighs 175 pounds, you know, I'm six, three. And when I was swimming, I was, you know, over 200, I had, you know, some muscle, I was over 200. So he's a small guy, a tiny guy in a sport that's made of, of like just giants on the planet. The biggest people in the world play this one particular sport. And he's two-time MVP, okay? MVP, the most valuable player of the NBA. <laughs> you see that story and you have no excuses. Yeah, you may not slam the basketball, but he's not slamming the basketball. He's just playing this game. He's a student of the sport. And when he's interviewed about, okay, you won the second end, you know, MVP award, what was your mentality? And he said, I was an underdog. I was never not an underdog. He was always hungry. So what I try to do is surround people with so much evidence that hopefully we dissolve some of these excuses that we have echoing in our head. Well, if I was six, seven, I'd play basketball. Well, if I was this big, then I'd do this sport or that sport. You know, Wayne Gretzky, he talks about this. Wayne Gretzky, um, you know, is small. He was really good, but he's small to make it, you know, as far as he went at, you know, in such a short period of time. So, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say I can go into all the technical talk of strategy with, with hockey. Um, but because of his size, he had to hide behind the net and play in the corners. And from that experience of adversity, he had to be creative and create a whole different way of playing the game. Now, that's where I think things get really interesting is that we're thinking about mental performances, mental strength, mental toughness. But what I really see, yes, those are really, really important pieces. I see another important piece right next to that, which is creativity. How do we look at the sport more like an artist where we're flexible? We're not just looking for the perfect shot. We're open to what happens and then we adjust and we flow with the moment, you know, and we look at it more like an artist. 
And so, yeah, combining all of these things is very, very fascinating. Obviously, I could talk for a month on this, but oh. I love it. I mean, I love it. I wonder if we could go for a world record, the longest podcast right now, a Guinness Book, Guinness Book <laughs> world record, the longest, in, most interesting podcast ever. Let's just talk for a month straight and see if we can do it, because I do believe we could do it. Look what we just, look at the conversation we just entered right now curiosity curiosity and it goes yeah. back to that whole idea of of development and, and just being able and willing to explore and fail and figure things out such a fascinating conversation and i love the idea of steve nash as well he's one of our crush he was one of our crush athletes to watch in the nba of course um and now as a coach awesome. he, we're watching that team to see you know if, if he can bring we're wishing them all the best for sure ah Seth, such a great yeah. conversation boy and i'm telling you just as we head into the new year um i hope i hope people share this conversation with their friends their families their teammates um their fellow coaches um because uh i i really think that that there's so much more we could be doing out there individually for sure um and then collectively as well and and one thing you mentioned there you know along that lines of the the, the creativity you got to have an environment where that's that's allowed too I mean, and, and that goes back sort of maybe to that conversation you had about the good coaches and the bad coaches. And when you found those coaches that just allowed you to unleash yourself, that was a pretty special place to be. And, and that's another thing for parents and coaches and teachers out there um, or employees, business owners for their employees, creating that environment where everybody feels okay just to push the limits and just get better. Oh man, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And embracing failure is really important for all those areas that you said. And it's, again, it's much easier to say than do. I, I get that, but that's not an excuse, right? It's not an excuse. It's the, you know, the human condition is uncomfortable. Let's get over it. Let's get over ourselves. Let's get on with it, you know, and just go do things, start speaking, uh, you know, clearer about your ideas. You don't necessarily have to go and share them with everyone, but you know, at least start with journaling, start communicating with yourself first. Like, what do I care about? What, you know, and, and make it an exploration. Don't make it like I have to have this really clear answer epiphany moment, but just start the process and start doing things. You know, there's motion and there's action. So motion is sort of the organizing the papers on our desk. Action is actually doing something. Don't get caught up in too much motion. Motion is a good starting point because you do have to organize yourself, but get doing, get doing, actually create stuff. And, you know, the action is a different world. That's the, that's the game changer. And so that's where we're working up to. And so, you know, for me, okay, so we'll talk about COVID for a second, if that's okay. Um, you know, I approach it kind of like as a jail cell. Okay, we're in isolation. We have, you know, very few resources, but we actually have resources. So we have the internet. We have some level of connectivity that way. Um, and and you can just there's the story that I love with Zig Ziglar, you know, a yeah. famous motivational speak yeah. speaker, and he talks about this um, prisoner of war, Vietnam War, seven years isolation in a cell block, and he was a golfer, and so every day he didn't have anything to do. But he created a routine within that cell block, which is important. You have to have a routine. It will give you things to do. Again, that's going to be part of your mental health is things to do. And a regular sort of pattern is good and healthy. So he created a routine. In that routine, he would play a perfect round of golf every, every day. You know, in his mind, he's playing a, a perfect round of golf. And then he gets released and, you know, he comes back to, to the United States. And, of course, the first thing he wants to do is go play golf. 
So he tees it up and on his first swing, he hits a hole in one. Okay. <laughs> so they actually have studies that they show that if you do visualization on, you know, on a, on a high level, that you're actually firing the same muscles and you're, and you're creating muscle memory. And they've actually shown, um, you know, that, that you actually can gain muscle mass. I'm not going to say it replaces lifting weights, but I'm just kind of pointing out that the mind body connection is there. The results are there. If you look, you know, scientific evidence, they're, they're there. Um, so we're, we may be in a cell block. We may be in isolation. Um, you know, I work with a hockey player and he lives in Phoenix and he doesn't have ice time or didn't have ice time during isolation. And so he's on his rollerblades in his backyard, shooting a hockey puck into an empty net and he's doubling down. He's doing daily doubles. He's doing body weight training. He's doing the mental training that we're doing. Um, and then he gets the opportunity and he gets a tryout with one of the top teams. They have nine games and out of nine games, he has three hat tricks. I mean, his dad's a famous fo football coach and he came back to me and said, that just doesn't happen in hockey. <laughs> and doesn't. it was, a, <laughs> and, and, and I go to talk to him and he says, Seth, I got there, you know, and I'm, I'm in the, the locker room and all the players were comparing notes. And he's like, it's exactly like what we worked on because a lot of these guys were waiting for ice time. And so they, they barely got like two workouts in a week. I'm like, Seth, I, I, I got, I got two workouts every single day. And he's like, I got Kobe confidence. And, and he's like overnight, like he had the confidence and he was lights out, you know, it, it was an awesome experience and an affirmation of like, you know, adversity is opportunity. So this is, this may be the greatest opportunity of our entire lifetime, you know? Seth, I cannot imagine a better way to wrap up this conversation um, for everybody here uh, through this COVID time, heading into the holidays, and as we head into 2021, which is, uh, you know, the new year is a classic marker for, for uh, re-energizing or refocusing and, and chasing down your tasks. Such a powerful message. Listen, Seth, I want to thank you uh, again for coming on the show. I look forward to many conversations moving forward. I want to thank you for all you're doing and, and the message you're sharing because I this is going to help more people than maybe even you realize. I just love it. And you probably do realize that. I know you do, but I just want to thank you for that. And um, really, really want to thank you again for for sharing your story here today. This is going to be inspirational. I think uh, a great conversation for a lot of people moving forward. I just appreciate it. You know, I appreciate the, the audience. I, I appreciate that we're, we're talking about this. We're considering this. And, you know, uh, I just really encourage people to get out there and do things. You know, I mean, live, live the life that, that you know that you have inside your head and, and just go for it. You know, this is the time. This is the moment. So thank you again. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be on your show. All right. There you go, everybody. Seth Pepper. You can check out Seth's great information at SethPepper.com. Wow. What a great conversation to wrap up 2020 here on Crush Performance. I can't imagine a better conversation, especially when you consider the landscape we're in. There is so much to take away from this conversation. We'd probably set that podcast length Guinness record just doing a review of this conversation. So here's what I will say. Thanks again to Seth and share this conversation. Go back with your notebooks and take notes. Such great, tangible usable information right at your fingertips. And again, you know, it's just the power of the mind, the power of the mind and your attitude. I think it goes a lot farther than we give it credit for. 
And you know, sometimes, especially in sport, when we talk about our athletes, it's easy to get caught up in the physical side of things because it's tangible. You can see the results. You get stronger, you get bigger, you get faster, you master a skill set. So sometimes even our athletes, we default not just to the physical side of training, but the things we're good at inside of the physical training. You know, have you ever guys, have you seen those guys in the weight room who have just massive, massive upper bodies and these little toothpick legs, right? They love the bench press. They love just pounding that weight, but they neglect their legs because maybe they're not good at squats or maybe they're not as strong at squats. So they just don't do it. Or those athletes that avoid those things they're not good at because one, maybe they're afraid of looking bad. Maybe they're afraid of being exposed that they're maybe not as talented as they are. Wrong approach on both sides. If we're going to be well-rounded, coachable, adaptable, robust, we have to make sure we attack everything. Now, we do always say, if you do have a strength, master your strength. Be the best at what you're good at. But support that with everything else to raise that ceiling of potential. And that's a long-term process. Sometimes we get caught up in just sort of staying in that safety zone of doing the things we're good at. And it does limit our progress forward. So as Seth said in the conversation, do not be afraid to step into the unknown and outside of your comfort zone if you're truly, truly going to push yourself to achieve your goals. Oh my goodness, such a great conversation. And listen, well beyond sport. If you have a young uh, student who's uh, at home missing their sport, missing their drama, missing their music, missing their shop classes, whatever they love, okay, that's a tough time for those young people. This is a great conversation to share. If you have employees, if you're coaching a team, if you have fellow coaches, this is a great conversation to share. We need to share this conversation today as much as humanly possible. And, and for yourselves, everybody, go back and, and listen to this again. Take away the stuff that seems important to you right now and drop us a line. Let us know. Hey, let us know. Or if you have thoughts in your, of your own, ideas and concepts that you've used in the past to help you get through tough times or that you've used to navigate uh, the jungle out there to get you to the other side, let's hear it, man. This is going to be a team effort. Team crush, let's go. <laughs> I love it. And heading into the holiday season, this is going to be a very different holiday season, but let's take advantage of it. Let's play some card games. Let's sit at home. Let's spend some quality time with our families. And let's look forward to 2021. Let's look forward to what we're going to accomplish as individuals. Let's look at how we're going to help the people around us accomplish their goals. And let's really, really use this time to set ourselves up. Oh, man. All right. Well, listen, I have to thank you guys, our listeners, our audience. Um, I wish you guys all the best over this holiday season, whether you celebrate or not. Okay, I really am wishing you the best. And as we head into the new year, all right, we've got a really big year crush performance. We are going to be focusing on the brain game and everything that it entails. We're really going to try to crack that nut open and, and discover everything inside of it because it's a big one. It really, really is. There's the brain and what we know and everything we don't know about it from the physical side the parts of the brain, what they do. We have a great understanding of all that. And then there's the mind side, you know, our personalities, our training, our approach, our confidence, everything we talked about today on the show with Seth, very trainable, very attainable. You just need to know what to do. And that's one of our quests for 2021. And then we're going to tie that into the big picture, which is talent and talent development. The brain game and talent and talent development are the two major themes 
in 2021 for Crush Performance. Get ready. Fasten your seatbelts because it's going to be one hell of a ride. We're going to talk to some of the world's greatest minds. We're going to dig down deep in the research. Uh, we're going to talk about things that, that we've experienced and learned. And we're going to help everybody who listens to the show get better. And in order to get better, I think we just need to understand that, that the process. We have to get a perspective, that important word, perspective of how this whole thing works and how it ties in. And then I don't care if you're a musician. I don't care if you're an artist. I don't care if you're a mechanic. I've got two buddies who are just really, really great mechanics. They're hot rod guys. They race cars. They work at car dealerships. And they're a couple of the best mechanics that I know. And, and you know, they're, they're revered in their fields because they love that stuff. I don't care if you're an accountant. My sister is an accountant. She's one of the best at what she does. She works with a massive, massive company. She's one of the, my brother's a lawyer. He's one of the best lawyers out there. And it's just because of the approach they have. My younger brother works in the oil field and he's in charge of optimization and strategies. One of the best. So proud of my family and the attitude that they have. And I think it's a lot of the reasons uh, that I'm, I who, I'm who I am. The people around you really, really do influence who you become and who you are. And surrounding yourself with those right people is going to be part of the conversation in 2021. And I'm going to share a great story with one of my former athletes uh, and great, great friend, almost a family member. We're going to talk with Olympic medalist Jamie Soleil about that very conversation. And it's going to be an eye-opener because she lived it. And it wasn't easy, but she had to choose who was going to be around her. And it was powerful, but listen to me. It set her on her path to Olympic gold. And it's not a mistake. And it doesn't matter if you're in music, if you're in uh, the arts, acting, if if you're an accountant or a business owner. Creating that environment for yourself is important. Creating it for others is as important. Oh, I can't wait for 2021. All right, everybody. Thank you again for all your support over this last year. I want to thank the guys at Radio Influence as well for making this podcast available to everybody. They are, again, talk about some of the best in the business. Uh, These guys are fantastic. Uh, So I want to thank those guys and wish them the best over the holidays. And uh, for you, have a great holiday season. Have a fantastic new year. And I can't wait to talk to you in 2021. So get out there, everybody. Put yourself out there. Go have fun, stay safe, and go get better. We'll talk to you in the new year right here on Crush Performance. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.